brought to you by the students at Mary Persons High School in conjunction with MPTV. This is Monroe County Schools Radio, exclusively on Magic 100 FM. First up, we have Jonathan Yisrael to talk about the history of K.B. Sutton Elementary. Catherine B. Sutton Elementary School opened in 2009. The school is named for Mrs. Sutton, who was the Monroe County Schools superintendent from 1933 to 1946. She was a thoughtful and well-prepared leader who valued education highly. These traits and her service inspired the school system to name one its newest elementary school after her. During the 2019-2020 school year, KBS students and teachers received many academic recognitions and participated in many different activities. For example, the robotics team competed in Middle Georgia State University, where there were five students who participated in Monroe County Spelling Bee, and there were seven media festival system level winners. In addition, Ali Parks and Brooklyn Choir both placed in the top three of the Middle Georgia Risa Young Georgia Authors Writing Competition. The art program was also recognized with 20 students featured at the Youth Art Month exhibit. KBS was also named a natural beta school for Marette and installed a book vending machine as a PBIS reward. Several teachers added endorsements to their certificates last year and a teacher of the year is Miss Lisa Delaney. Here is Hunter Hudson interviewing Miss Becky Brown, principal at KB Sutton, along with teacher Peggy Trammell and KB Sutton Elementary student Brooklyn Ham. How long have you been at KB Sutton? All right, so this would be, I was here for three years as assistant principal, and then this is my fifth year as principal. But 14 years in Monroe County, I was at Mary Persons for six years before I came here to Katie Sutton. What did you teach before you went into administration? I taught high school social studies, U.S. history, world history, and civics. What is the biggest challenge you face on a daily basis with your job? Maybe not so much as a challenge as I kind of find it to be a charge, like a duty that I need to do. Um, and that during this pandemic, you know, I just want to be very support, provide a supportive and a safe environment for our staff, students, and then also our parents. So just working to make sure that, you know, we're doing the best that we can with the resources that we have each day. What are two of the biggest changes from COVID? We had to change how we do certain things like our arrival to school protocols, our dismissal protocols, our lunch schedule is very different from what it's been like in the past. So we've just kind of had to revisit those things to try to do those daily things as safely as we can. And then the other one would be the advent of online instruction and working with our teachers and our students and our parents to transition into that virtual learning environment. Can you go into more detail about some of the precautions that you just mentioned um, with like arrival and dismissal, like what you guys have changed about that? As far as the arrival goes, uh, we are seating children uh, when they arrive by grade level and then by homeroom. So we're trying to maintain the clusters 
of homeroom students as much as possible throughout the day. And then we do temperature checks each day too for all students who come on bus and then for car riders, we check temperatures as well. And then for dismissal, it's the same thing for car riders. We seat them by grade level and then by homeroom. Lunch is different. You know, we have fewer students in the cafeteria. So pre-K through third grade actually do eat lunch in the cafeteria and fourth and fifth grade eat in their classrooms. How long have you been a teacher at KB Sutton? I've been at KB Sutton since it opened. It opened in 2009 and I've been in, so that's 12 years at the school. And um, I've been in Monroe County for all of my teaching career. I'm in year 27. So I came over from another school to come to this school when it opened. What school did you start at? Well, it, they were all different schools because we had a Hubbard primary and we had a Hubbard elementary and I was with Dr. Baysmore, who's now at T.G. Scott, but um, I've always taught in an elementary school. So I came over from Hubbard when I came over. What are some challenges that you face with online students versus face-to-face -face students? The biggest challenge for me is that relationships are the most important part of teaching. I feel like forming those relationships. And it's been more difficult to do that with the online learners. Um, it's very important to be able to check in with kids and I mean, just see how they're doing emotionally besides just their academic stuff. And I try to do that. It's just more challenging. It can be done and we do it. And I'll check in with kids sometimes because they're not doing what they normally would do online. I'm not getting the quality of work and yeah, just check in and make sure that they're not overwhelmed or they're not having some other issues and just make sure they feel supported and feel good because that's what I feel like is most important are those relationships. So that's been more difficult. I can't just look them in the eyes every, every time and see if, the, you know, if they're having an issue. How have your online students been? Like have they been doing good or bad? Well, I teach the program. Sometimes some, some gifted children are exceptionally motivated and some are not motivated at all. I mean, that's one of the characteristics of being gifted. So I've had some kids doing just hitting it out of the ballpark with their work. And then I have some that weren't doing anything because they didn't really have to. They had to do their ingenuity stuff, but they didn't really have to do all their gifted. So I've had to talk to some parents and we've had to light some fires and try to get them motivated. But I've had, I had several of them come back face to face. The ones that were really weren't motivated um, were the ones that ended up coming back face to face anyway. How has COVID changed the way you run your classroom? Uh, it's changed it significantly. I mean, gone are the days where you pass out papers. I mean, we don't even pass out papers anymore. Everything is in the Google Classroom. With gifted, especially, I teach online and face-to-face. -face. They all join the Google Classroom, so everything is in Google Classroom. And I have to think about it as if they don't get to hear my voice, so I have to literally script everything that I put in Google Classroom. Number one, check your attendance. Number two, check your agenda and see what your standards are. And everything, it takes forever to write my lesson plans because I have to keep in mind that the ones at home aren't getting the benefit of being able to hear my voice and what I'm saying over and over, so it all has to be scripted. So all resources now are right online for all of them. 
classroom or virtual. In my classroom, they sometimes choose to write on paper and pencil, but everything is available for them to actually do it in the Google Classroom electronically. With COVID, all teachers have like a bucket of a special solution and we clean desks and tables and chairs in between times that we have different students and the kids are washing their hands a lot more, wearing their masks. Teachers and the kids want to be in school. You can tell, and we're really working hard to stay in school. Hey, Brooklyn, my name is Hunter. What grade are you in? Third. What is your favorite thing about your school? My favorite thing about my school is my classes. I get to learn new things and my friends because we get to play with each other. What is your least favorite thing about your school? My least favorite thing is wearing masks be mask because I cannot breathe in them. <laughs> How do you feel now that you're back in school during COVID and with all the new procedures going on? Are you stressed about it or what? Well, I like some of them. I don't like some of them, but for the most part, it's still back to normal. Next up, Kaylin Foster with the history of T.G. Scott Elementary. T.G. Scott was built in 2004 and home to over 800 students. T.G. Scott was named after Thomas Goodwin Scott. Thomas Goodwin Scott reared in Hancock County and educated at Emory College where he graduated in 1853. Thomas Goodwin Scott was the first teacher and principal of the Hillard Institute in Monroe County. Mr. Scott was described as an outstanding educator while serving the Hillard Institution and later Pleasant Grove Academy in Monroe County. In 1870, Mr. Scott was chosen by the members of this commission to act as the county's school commissioner. In 1887, Mr. Scott was appointed as the full-time commissioner by the county's Board of Education. Mr. Scott served in this county until 1896. Some 2019-2020 highlights for T.G. Scott Elementary School. Richard Baysmore, the principal of T.G. Scott Elementary School, is Georgia's National Distinguished Principal. He was elected president of the Georgia Association of Educational Leaders. He was also elected the chairman of the Middle Georgia Commission. T.G. Scott was also recognized as a top 5% highest performing school. Kaylin Foster with MPTV at Mary Persons High School, here with Richard Baysmore, the principal of T.G. Scott Elementary School. Tell us a little bit about your educational background. I was in the classroom about nine or ten years before I got into administration. Grew up in Forsyth. I went to Middle Georgia College, then I went to the University of Georgia. Then I worked on graduate degrees at uh, Georgia College and State University in Milledgeville and at Georgia Southwestern College in Americas. And I completed a doctorate in educational leadership from the University of Nova, Fort Lauderdale. So I, I have expired all my degrees. I don't have to go back to school ever again. <laughs> How long have you been with T.G. Scott? I opened T.G. Scott in 2004, and I've been here the whole time. What did you teach before you went into administration? I was a teacher of uh, elementary, middle, and high school PE, taught physical education for several years. Uh, when I first started, I taught history and um, economics. In a normal year, which this is not, I would be faced with class size, making sure we place students in the correct areas, making sure we had teachers in the right places uh, doing the teaching. That makes a big difference. If you're teaching something you enjoy, 
you tend to do a little bit better of a job of it. The day-to-day operation of the school itself, people don't realize how much in, is involved with just the plant, making sure that, that the heat and air is on, making sure there's internet connectivity, making sure that phones are working. All those things are stuff you try to head off and keep from going bad on you. Uh, I, I come to work really early in the morning. And it gives me a chance to make sure everything is running in the school building instead of just showing up at 745 like everybody else does. And all of a sudden we've got problems. I can get ahead of the problems by coming to work a little earlier than that. And uh, I feel like it's important to make sure that the the facility is ready to receive the people. Oh, you know, I've come in before and not had any electricity or not had any heating or cooling, where it's, you know, in the summertime or something, not maybe not summertime, but in the late spring when it starts getting warm, the air conditioning is not working on one hall or another hall, or the heat's not operating properly throughout the building. And uh, being here gives me an opportunity to get ahead, of, try, try and get ahead of it so I can get those things working before folks show up to school. Internet connectivity sometimes, you never know when that's gonna, gonna cause you a problem and go down or be slow. And I think we're all kind of spoiled by the internet. So we want it to work and work fast every time we use it. And it just doesn't happen that way. What is one of your favorite things about your job? I think the, the most favorite thing is the children. But the second most favorite thing is I never know what my day is going to be. I can make all the plans in the world, have everything scheduled out, and then something happens. And, uh, and all of a sudden, a parent comes in that's got a concern, or a teacher shows up that has a concern or a health issue, and we've got to cover a class all of a sudden. We never know what's going to happen day to day. How has COVID affected your job? I know COVID's a big thing right now. How has it affected everything? I think the main way that it's affected my job is just the overall health concern for everyone. Making sure we're wearing masks, making sure we're washing hands, making sure that people are staying home when they're sick, uh, checking temperatures. Who would have thought I'd have six people standing out in front of the school checking temperatures every day for the people that ride cars. Who would have thought I'd have four people checking bus riders, getting off the bus every morning? You know, that's just, now that's normal. We've been doing it for about 50 or 55 days of school now. And that's, you know, that's kind of normal now. The challenge of that is people that are doing school virtually. Because when you get to high school, you are generally already able to read and comprehend information. Whereas little children don't even know how to read yet. And so they need that face-to-face opportunity to watch how you form your mouth when you say letters and make sounds. For any like, I would say like high schooler who's looking to get into the administration, what are some tips you have for them? Well, I think the first thing is they need to be a teacher. They really need to be a teacher so they understand what a teacher goes through on a day-to-day basis. I have been out of the classroom and been an administrator for 30 years, but those first 12 to 15 years, I was a teacher. 
and I understood what teaching was all about. And I still understand. I haven't, I'm not so old that I don't remember what it was like to be in the classroom all day long. And it's important that, that, that to be a good administrator, you've got to know where everybody's coming from that you are in charge of. And in order for me to lead them in the right direction and to do the things that they need to do as, uh, as instructors is that I understand what being an instructor is. Once you've done that, then you take a few steps along the way and move into a department chair head or you move into an assistant principal's position somewhere where you've got more authority and you have the opportunity to lead. And then you take those experiences along the way from when you are first an assistant principal and then move up. You take those experiences to make good decisions and make good choices for the people that you're in charge of. You never know what you're going to hear from a child. They are hilarious. I know one time we asked children to write down about their favorite Thanksgiving dinner. And the child wrote, mama takes the turkey and puts it in the oven. And in three minutes, the turkey is done. Well, it's more like three hours probably for the turkey to be completely done. Um, they, our young children don't have a concept of time. Like you as an, you're a young adult now, uh, you know what a 24 hour period is. You know what a seven days a week is. Our little ones don't know what time, they don't understand time. And it's, it's quite funny because they say, oh, I saw you yesterday. Well, it was three weeks ago when I saw you. You know, they just don't, they don't get it. And so that's where some of the funniest stuff comes from is, is what they say and what they do. I will tell you that we are a family. You know, we look after each other. We try to treat people the way they would like to be treated. You know, we all know we have rules and we have things that we have to do. And some of those things are not always pleasant, but we try to make those things as pleasant as we can to get the job done. Here is Maggie Forrester with the history of Hubbard Elementary. In Forsyth, Georgia, two schools are named after a father and son duo, William M. Hubbard and his son Samuel E. Hubbard. The Hubbard Middle School was named after William M. Hubbard, who started his school with seven students in the 1900. In less than 15 years, he extended classes to the ninth grade. Then by 1916, 11th and 12th grade were added. In the late 1930s, Samuel E. Hubbard took on his father's legacy through rough years. In 1955, a new building was added and the school name changed to Hubbard Elementary and High School. Samuel was the principal of both schools until Monroe was desegregated in 1970. The campus we know as today as Samuel E. Hubbard Elementary School was not built until 1994, but then was known as Hubbard Primary School, starting with just kindergarten through the second grade. In 2005, they added pre-K and third through fifth grade, becoming our beloved Samuel E. Hubbard Elementary School, home of Sammy the Tiger. Currently, Hubbard Elementary School serves nearly 650 students in grades pre-K through fifth grade, and they are the only STEM-certified school in Monroe County. Hi, my name is Maggie Farrister with MPTV, and today I'm interviewing Mr. Jay Johnson, the principal of Hubbard Elementary School, and the first grade teacher, Betsy Ford. How long have you been at this school or in Monroe County? This is my 29th year of being in Monroe County. My entire education career has been here. I've never been in, in another system. 
started teaching at Mary Persons High School in the 1992-93 school year. I was a science teacher there. I taught, you know, in the early years, you know, mostly physical science and biology. In the 11 years that I spent at Mary Persons, taught just about everything in the science department except for chemistry. And, you know, as time went on and started expanding the curriculum, we started adding some botany and zoology classes, you know, for junior and senior level, you know, type students going on to college. And that was a lot of fun teaching those classes. But I taught physical science and biology more than, more than anything else. After high school, being there 11 years, I moved on to Monroe County Middle School in the 2003-2004 school year as an assistant principal. And then, of course, after that year is when the system split the county into two districts, and I moved over to the William Hubbard campus and was assistant principal there for seven more years. And then I moved back to the Bank Stevens campus as principal and then we consolidated the middle schools back again, and I was principal for the year of consolidation and one more year. And that was 11 total years at middle school level here in Monroe County as either assistant principal or principal. And then I moved here to Hubbard Elementary as principal, and this is my seventh year, making my 29th total year here in Monroe County. Did you ever attend the Monroe County schools? I did not. I grew up in Monticello and Jasper County, you know, in the neighboring county here. When I was in school, my only interaction with, uh, you know, Monroe County and Mary Persons High School is when we actually played each other in either football, baseball, and things along those lines. What is the biggest challenge you face on a daily basis? On a daily basis, and, you know, not bringing COVID into this particular question, I think it's time. And what I mean by that is being able to get to, you know, every detail every day. As a building leader, you, you want to see everybody every day, try to get in front of students every day, and particularly teachers as well. But having time to do that between meetings, time is just a big factor. Like a this afternoon, I have a list of a few things that I want to make sure I get done tomorrow. And it's not uncommon to get to the end of the day and not have touched anything that I put on the list the day before. You never know what's going to happen, what's going to occur next. And each and every day brings its own challenges and, and opportunities to, to get better. I'd have to say time is the single biggest thing, or at least for me, on a daily basis. What are the two biggest challenges that has been made because of COVID? And this is one that, you know, we could probably spend a whole day talking about. There's just been so many, you know, so many aspects of COVID because we were referring to getting things back to normal, you know, all the way since, you know, the beginning of school. Things are never going to be normal as, as we once knew it, but at least right now things are starting to, or at least we feel like they're starting to kind of settle in a little bit in the new way that we do things. As a positive outcome, or I guess a silver lining to, to some of the things that we have done is we have found some ways to hold events and, and do some things that may be better than the way we were doing them before. The biggest challenge that COVID has presented is scheduling. What I'm talking about is lunch schedules, uh, recess schedules, even as simple as you know that may sound. Uh, restroom breaks, class changes, holding the normal events that we normally would, you know, such as honors days and what we normally have our class fall parties that are coming up, you know, on Halloween, you know, shortly, how we're able to do that and, you know, and maintain some fun for kids and engagement for kids when we get around these certain seasons. You know, with COVID, you know, trying to keep the distancing and at elementary level, we have really taken it as an approach of keeping the, the classrooms, the homerooms separated. Because once they get here in the building, for the most part, they stay with that one pod, you know, 
really just the opposite of high school where when you change classes, you may have a whole new group of students that you're with. That's not the case for us here. So a lot of our social distancing, we're looking at it from a standpoint of keeping the classes separated. So in past years where we might be able to have as many as two classes on a, on a playground at one time, now we're only able to have one. And scheduling them at different parts of the day, you know, has impacted instructional time. Some teachers have to change their normal routines of doing, you know, like this block is for math and this block is for reading. You know, that may have to have been, you know, adjusted just a little bit to make room for recess to fit, to fit in. So scheduling has been a big, a big part of what we're kind of struggled with. I think we've gotten, you know, better with it or becoming accustomed to the way we're doing things now. But using, you know, more of the campus, you know, rather than just a single playground that per se all the pre-K might go to. The next thing is, as far as a challenge, and this is a, a daily challenge, is uh, substitute. We just have very few subs in the sub pool right now that are willing to come, you know, and work in the school. And with that, you know, we're having to pull, you know, paraprofessionals from other assigned duties in many cases to cover classes for the entire day. And of course that impacts, you know, instruction as well. Even when we're pulling a parapro, they're not able to do the job that, that they're hired to do. So we have some lacking going on in, in those areas, but substitutes, you know, to fill in for teachers when they're out. We have been fortunate here in that we haven't had a large number of staff that have had to be quarantined, but we have had some. And in those cases, you know, we're looking at basically 10 school days that we're having to cover for that particular teacher while they're under quarantine. And that's just a long time, especially when we don't have, you know, substitutes that are, you know, able to come in. So those have been the, for me, I think are the two biggest challenges right now that's related to COVID scheduling which again that's getting better we're getting used to what we're doing but what will be a continuing problem is substitutes now i'm with the first grade teacher betsy ford how long have you been teaching at hubbard um this is my 14th year at hubbard and i have actually had 11 years in second grade and this is the third year that i've been in first grade what are some challenges you face with online students versus like face-to-face students um, when we were doing online, some of the struggles that I had were just trying to remember that these were first graders and what could we do to make their learning online meaningful for them and finding a balance between getting them to use online resources, but also making sure that they were still getting practice with their handwriting and coloring and cutting, gluing, things like that, that they weren't getting in the classroom. One of the things that I had a hard time with when it first, when everything first started back in March was being able to keep up with things that particular students were struggling with and making sure they were getting practice with that. And once they had mastered a concept or mastered a skill, moving on to something else that was more challenging and would keep them moving forward. So just not having them face to face and not having them right there with me to be able to kind of monitor and see for myself how they were doing, that was tough. When we came back face to face, some of the struggles is remembering that the students have been out of school for however many months and what they had missed, what they were struggling with, and trying to fill those gaps and making sure that we were addressing their needs and meeting them where they are to be able to try and catch them up or to get to the skills that we need to be working on. How has COVID changed the way that you run your classroom? 
I've always tried to keep my classroom really neat and clean and germ-free, but we've really amped that up a lot more. A whole lot of cleaning, using Clorox, making sure we're washing our hands with soap and water a lot more, making sure that we sanitize our materials, um, our supplies, things like that. We also have had to kind of modify when we do small group how long the students are within close proximity of the teachers, how long they're in close proximity of each other, trying to pay attention to who you meet with in the morning and um, who you meet with in the afternoon and keeping up with the exposure time. But also when they're at their seats and working, making sure that they're still social distancing from each other as much as possible. Another thing is, is that we've done a lot to prepare them to be able to use our online resources in case we were to have to go out and go all um, virtual. It's finding a balance between them being able to work online, but also still working on the face-to-face -face skills, them being able to write and cut and glue and color and things like that. And remembering that they have so much screen time now, getting them to do things and play with each other and interact with each other while social distancing so that they don't lose that playtime or the creative playtime. I don't want them staring at their computer screen or staring at a device for entire day. That's been something that, that we've been working to be sure we find a good balance between. Thank you for tuning in to Monroe County Schools Radio, exclusively on Magic 100 FM. Have a great week. Remember to be a champ. And as always, go dogs. The thoughts expressed in this segment represent Monroe County Schools.